0: Yes, this is one of those crazy nights where, um, I <laughs> can't go to sleep, so I decided to do a short little podcast while I was here. A neighbor came over, and we're going to go to a barbecue place for lunch together, my daughter, the neighbor, and I, because, well, when she came, when she comes to the door in a bathrobe, you couldn't believe it, and she said, um, she said, well, I did, she said, I saw your car, but then I didn't see it. I didn't realize you were here until I saw your car again. And I said, "Well, yeah. And I explained to her And you know, it came Sunday and left at 3.30 in the morning, got here with dead tires, slept in, and Monday went up and had lunch with Claire because I had, had to go to the bank and transfer some money. And I was explaining all this stuff to her. And we had a good conversation. Claire was taking a bath or a shower, I'm not sure which, downstairs. So I was visiting with this woman upstairs in the living room. Well, of course, Claire comes up and she's happy to see Claire, and we start talking. Well, then she was saying how um, today, she got home at like three o'clock. And she said, yeah, I go home at three o'clock. And I was thinking how nice it would be if the three of us went to, the seafood restaurant together. Well, we've gone there before with her and Claire and I went there today. So she said, yeah, I was thinking today I go home at three o'clock and I thought, um, well, it'd be nice. You know, now that George is here, it'd be nice to go to the seafood place with him and Claire. And so I was listening intently because when I get an impression, I should analyze what's being said. I do. And, so anyways I said, Yeah, well I said, Mom, yeah, we we went to the seafood place today and she said, Oh really? And I said, Yeah, around four o'clock. We left around four. Um I said, I was thinking about you because I was I was thinking about her, um, because I knew she knew I was here and I didn't want to think I was just avoiding her. Because it really wasn't just avoiding her. I don't like to impose upon people. Um, even some of the people that are closest to me, I would not just show up at your house um, or I wouldn't just call you. I, I would check to be sure you were available. So I said, Yeah. Um, I said, Claire got home like for five or ten minutes to four and did a few things. And then we left just after four to go to the restaurant. And then she said, Well, yeah, well, well, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know you guys had gone because I laid down on the couch because I was tired. She felt today and got hurt at work. And she said I just felt tired and stuff, so I laid down about three thirty and I fell asleep. And I said, well, you know what happened, Kathy, was you slept through, um, you know, us leaving for the restaurant. I said when you were sleeping past four o'clock, you know, we left. And I said, I didn't hear your television on, you know, we didn't know you were, um, I said, we knew you were home because your vehicles were there, but I thought you were sleeping because there was no noise coming from your home, no sound. And she admitted, yeah, she said, yeah, I was sleeping. I wish I wasn't sleeping and then I could have gone with you guys. That clued me into the fact that she wanted to go somewhere with us um, and spend time with us. Um. So when she said that i said well i said well, i don't even know your work schedule and i said claire doesn't either so we have no idea when you're available so she said well i've got to go in at four in the morning and i get off around 1 so i got an impression that i should invite her to go to lunch that we would meet her at this uh, barbecue place and have lunch with her that was the impression i got to invite her to go have lunch so i did because um, I sensed that she wanted to be invited to go to lunch. And I like her, and Claire likes her, so it wasn't a bad thing. It was just that it was seeing that she wanted, she had this need to go with us because she was lonely. She told me flat out, I'm just lonely, I live alone. I used to be married, and then I got divorced. And, you know, I haven't really dated. I dated one guy, and he seemed like a nice guy. And then we were talking on the telephone, and he said something about – um Oh, I told him I was cold. I said, yeah, it's a little chilly in the house. I've got a blanket over me. And he said something like, well, you want a warm body beside you? And basically saying, hang hey, on, I come over and screw you. But she told me she felt it meant, You know, he wanted to crawl in the bed with her. But she doesn't do that stuff. So she said, well, when he said that, I decided I wasn't going to be having anything to do with him. Because I realized all this chivalry and taking having you know lunch with him all the stuff was leading up to him thinking he could just get into bed with me and have sex so she cut him off and so anyways when i realized that she wanted to be invited to go get something to eat lunch or supper or whatever um i said well to get off at 1 30. she was saying yeah i was thinking maybe we could get um lunch sometime you know, or, or something, and I said, "Well, if you get off at 1.30, um why don't we just meet you in, in Thane and go to that um barbecue place I was telling you about? We'll just meet you there and we'll go to the barbecue place and have lunch. So she was thrilled. she said, "Oh wow, yeah, that would be great, but I started you know like, I get off at 1:30, but if you show up at one o'clock, I'll just leave and then we can go over there, so we're going to. Now, I know, how does this relate to what I'm going to say? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how it relates. Um, now, I'm trying to think how I'm going to present this. Um, okay, I'll just present it this way. I saw a tweet um, where this person was talking about um, transsexual women. And, and there is a such thing as transsexual women. But there are not, well, let me say that again. Okay, there is such a thing as transsexual woman, women because that is a term that describes a man who has had surgical augmentation or modification to be as close to a woman in physiology and maybe through techniques, you know, counseling and instruction, they can look and act and twist the rear ends. So in other words, they can have the appearance of being a woman and even um be very close to mimicking a woman now they cannot be a woman i mean that's just biologically impossible they can't but they can come pretty close i've seen some transsexuals i can feel that they're not women i can i really can and i've met a few and i instantly felt they were not a woman and they pretended like they were women And the person with me who knew they were transsexual said, so what do you think, George? And I said, well, he looks pretty good. And the person just laughed, started laughing hysterically. He looks pretty good. I said, well, that's not a real woman. I can tell. So how the hell can you tell? I said, I can feel around this person. I can feel that this was not a real woman. I said, even though I will admit the characteristics of facial structure the body and everything, somebody did a pretty good job, but that's not a real woman. Well, I saw this text where a person was saying, um, why is it so, the person was saying to another person, why is it so important to you to classify a woman as a person who has a uterus? Well, for me, if you know me on face value, that is one of the most freaking ridiculous questions I've ever seen, one of not the, but one of the most ridiculous ridiculous questions to ask somebody if you truly understand biology and if you're willing to accept the laws of the universe, you know truth, the truths of the universe, and the truth, as I stated earlier, the truth is that if you're biologically if you're biologically born a man, a male, I should say. You cannot be changed into a female. It's impossible and it's impossible that a biological a biologically born female can become a male. It's impossible. now they can become trans women or trans men, and people can call them by pronouns and they can they can even have sex with them. a man can have sex with a trans woman who's had the operation and has had you know, the created vagina, you know, and even breasts, they, you know, they can make a breast that look like a woman's breast. So in other words, the physiology can have the appearance of being a woman and the functionality of a vagina, even though it's created, and even and in, in its creation, there will be no fertilization of eggs because there's no ovaries, there's no cervix, there's, you know, the parts are not there, but there is. A, a vagina that can be used like a woman's vagina for sex, but it's not real. It's created. When I say it's not real. It's not authentic. It's a recreation of. Um, anyways, I read that and I was thinking about truth, truth in general. And truth in general is this. Every single thing has a truth attached to it everything every single thing has a law attached to it too the way to which it operates when it honors the law and then when it doesn't honor the law there's chaos these are just facts um it is important to biologically identify a woman who has a uterus or or let me put it this way. Because some women are born without uteruses. Yeah. It's biologically important to identify a female as a, an entity that has the capacity to reproduce. To produce offspring. Unless it's interfered with in some manner. That is very important. Um, because men cannot have babies. So... If you want to, if you want the truth, the truth says that a human being that can give birth to children, offspring, is a female. It's a woman when it grows to the age of a woman, but it's a female and an entity that cannot have children, but facilitates in the birth of children, the creation by you know the sperm. From a man uh, fertilizing the eggs of a woman, and then subsequent, you know operation of uh, ovulation and all that stuff, That's a male. Those are truths, and they're unalterable. And the reason I say this is because truths can they can be misrepresented. That's true. Um, they can be ignored. They can be unknown to people. Maybe the person is ignorant of a truth. That's possible. Uh, all those things can happen. Um, and there could be a group of experts who say, you know, that, that they know through, ex- through expert analysis and trial and error and everything else, they can make a stance that goes against truth, a truth, or the nature of the truth, And all those efforts do not change the truth. They don't. That truth, uh, it exists independently of all forces. And just because it can be misrepresented or just because it can be unknown to some people and just because a panel of experts in in a given field make a claim that is contrary to the nature of the truth, that particular truth, it doesn't change the identity and nature of the truth. It doesn't change it. And that's what I was trying to say to this person. And that's what I would say to any anybody. Now, let's go deeper, a little bit deeper. So when people know a truth and they try to get something other than well i'll give you a, a classic right now there was a friend of mine once upon a time this isn't a this is a true story but i thought i'd you know it's, it's nighttime i'm telling you a bedtime story once a t- once upon a time there was a friend of mine and i'm going to use they and them and stuff i'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you the identity male or female but this first person was in a relationship with someone and the person they were in a relationship with betrayed them horrifically, and for a period of time, a long period of time, uh, betrayed them, hurt them, broke their heart, all kinds of stuff. And they continued in the relationship. They, they, you know, they didn't separate. Well, as they continued in this relationship. Um, the person said that they wanted to make it work. Well, time went on and on and on and nothing was nothing significant to the relationship was, you know, was, uh, improving now, granted the, the person did improve in some areas. The person that betrayed did improve in some areas, but the overall nature of the person did not change. And the person who had been betrayed continued to try to get the other person who betrayed them continued to try to get the person to be what they wanted the person to be and tried to get the person to be honest about things and to work with them. The problem is, is that person who had been betrayed hadn't really changed either. Um, the opposition between these two people was the same as it had been continuously through the relationship. The one person who betrayed, yes, made some improvements, got better, That's true, and substantially, I would say, but the nature of the person hadn't really changed. The things on the outside of the person, um, you know, so different things like like getting a getting a good job and, and being nice to those kinds of things, the person improved in. But the basic nature of the person did not, which, you know, if somebody betrays you and you stay with them or work with them and you're trying to improve the relationship and they really haven't changed, I mean, I mean maybe they're being nicer to you, more considerate. and Maybe they're doing a lot of things they didn't do before but their basic nature has not changed. um, You're going to find it very difficult to work with that person Um, because it doesn't matter if the outward things have changed, like more consideration, being kinder, treating you better, whatever it is, you know, and it can be very significant. If the person themselves has not really changed, it's very disappointing. Now the person who's betrayed is the same thing if that person in their behavior towards the betrayer has not really changed in the ways that would facilitate reconciliation and such it will, they will never they will never achieve what they want either so it, it will never work between the two It's really better under those situations um, that they separate they go their separate ways because neither one is really willing to or, or has changed on the inside their natures are still the same the one who betrayed and this is the irony about betrayal and i hope you guys will believe me on this or at least think deeply about it come to your own conclusion let me tell you about the nature of the per, or the, the nature of the person who betrays people who betray get over the betrayal uh, much more quickly and completely than people who have been betrayed. So people who do horrific things to people and betray them and use them and just really hurt them, um, hurt their feelings and all kinds of stuff, they get over it very easily. And there's stages to this, which I'm going to tell you. The first stage is they um, deny that they betrayed they'll deny they betrayed you know they try to gaslight you um as time goes on and and there's time from the time they betrayed and it's getting further and further away from the date like say they betrayed in january but now it's june um the the full effect of the betrayal has diminished so then what they'll do is they will they will admit that they did something that you know you know they did and they know they did, but finally they'll they'll admit that they did something, but you know there's more, so you keep pressing them, and as time goes on, then they'll start telling the truth about some of the things they did. They may tell you quite a bit about, quite a bit about the truth, and as they're uh, confessing or admitting to you what they did, it releases the burden from them. It's like some, the burdens being lifted from them. because Now they're telling you what happened. They're telling you the truth. Um, and, it, and that's a, that's a natural uh, effect of confessing your wrongs or telling somebody th- terrible things you've done. Is it, it, lightens, it lightens the burden and it gets to the point where they don't feel the weight of the betrayal. They're over it. And life is good for them. They don't feel all that garbage again. Oh, they might be angry that you keep demanding that they tell you everything. You you didn't tell me anything. You lied to me. But what happens is even though they didn't tell you everything, when that burden is lifted from them, um, they're over it. Because they're not the ones who got betrayed. They were the ones who betrayed. So they get over it and they're fine. They, you know, They wonder what's wrong with you. The opposite is true of the person who was betrayed. Depending on the betrayal, there may be some very deep wounds that that didn't heal, and they won't heal. They'll never heal. They may become manageable to be lived with, but they cannot be, they will not be healed. They just won't because the betrayal was so severe. That person feels the weight of the betrayal because they were betrayed that person feels that they were not dealt with justly because they're still feeling the betrayal and it's crushing them. And they see this person who doesn't seem to to bother them at all. They seem to be over. Oh, they might get mad and swear because they're tired of hearing about it, but they don't feel that daily disappointment and pressure and all the associated emotions with betrayal. They don't. and this is what I'm going to tell you what happens in these two cases. The person who betrayed, who doesn't feel the weight of it anymore, um, lives two lives. They have two lives. They have the life they have with you, putting up with the BS of you, questioning them and saying rude things to them and hounding them and all. No, they, they'll They'll endure that. They will. If they want to keep you. For whatever reason, they want you to stay. They'll they'll enjoy that. But when they're away from you, they live a separate life. They live their double life, the one you can't see because you're not around. The one you can't hear because you're not around. And they live a quite fulfilling life away from you. And they laugh and joke with their friends. And you know, in other words, they they live the activities that they want to in your absence that is about basically the same type of person they are on the inside. So even though they may be calm at home and listening to you rag on them and accuse them and all this, well, the weight's been lifted. It doesn't really affect them. They might get mad because they're tired of hearing it or, you know, I already told you, you know, that may happen. But they endure it. And when they get away from you, the unchanged person, inside operates away from you. And when they do that, and this is why they're able to put up with your BS and your questions and your threats and your accusations. They're able to put up with it because when they're away from you, they can be who they really are and do the things that, you know, they did before. Uh, Maybe not everything, but in other words, they can live that double life and get the satisfaction of being who they really are when they're away from you. So when they're with you, they're able to endure living with you and, and, and getting cross-examined and threatened and, and all that stuff. And without the burden, they don't feel responsible. It's like, you know, that was in the past. You know, I, I, I'm i over that. I didn't, you know, that's over. I'm not doing that now. And they may not be doing that now as far as the betrayal thing is. But you can rest assured they're living the double life. They're behaving like the person they were before, even if they're not doing the exact same things, the person they were before is the person they are now. Maybe with slight change, slight amount of change. And away from, if you could observe them away from you, you would see they're just the same person they were before. Uh, Whatever it was the way they were when they betrayed you, they're the same person. Um, And that's just the way it is. And they go on with their lives quite successfully. Feeling vindicated, feeling um, not responsible for everything you're going through now, which was caused by caused by the past events. Um, they said, "Hey, I did real bad, but I've changed. I'm being a nice person. I'm doing all this good stuff." If they're still hanging on to the past, that's their problem. So they don't feel any responsibility for the things of the past that they did to you that stay with you now and are causing you all this despair. They just don't, and it goes with men and women both parties although men are very good about getting over the betrayals they do and just basically saying hey that's your problem women are a little bit different women it will bother if there were good women who got, did something stupid or got involved with something they shouldn't have they feel the guilt and they feel that burden because um that's you know they really feel responsible for what they did. Men don't. Men get over it very easily. They excuse themselves, and they press on. The problem with, okay, let's use a man and a woman. It'd be much easier for me to explain them. In a relationship, let's say marriage because that's the ultimate. In a, in a marriage, if the man has an affair, those wounds are super deep, and they don't, uh, I don't care what you say, they don't heal known a lot of women through my life. They'll tell you those wounds don't heal. Oh, you might be able to live with them and make it work and be nice and, you know, be the complete wife, you know, the cooking, the laundry, you know, sex and all that stuff. Um, You may be able to do all that. And even though you're still hurt inside and it bothers you, you're able to function. Well, some women can't. Some women cannot get over the fact that their husband had an affair. They just can't. The wounds are too deep. What happens with, in that scenario, is the man will get over the consequences and impact of the affair in his life. He'll get over it. He'll get past it. Um, And even some, some do change. And then, you know, some men have an affair early in the marriage and they never do it again. And sometimes the wife doesn't find out about it and they're very good and not getting out, and the marriage is great because the wife never found out she was cheated on. Other marriages, the cheating becomes, you know, apparent. In other words, she becomes aware that he cheated on her, and, of course, he'll deny it first, and then he'll give a little bit of truth, and he'll give more as he works through it and lifts his burden, and he'll be over it, and she won't. It'll continue to bother her. And if the woman does not divorce him or get over it and find some way to make it work with him and drop it and stop bringing it up, it will destroy her. It will. If she divorces and leaves him, then she can start fresh and he becomes the past. And that's the healing process begins with the woman is when she's not. Exposed to him on a daily basis. um, She's able to get over it because she's not constantly reminded by it. By him. Seeing him and hearing him. So once she's not constantly reminded. um, She doesn't have to. He's not there to cross examine or accuse or everything. She will change her focus to going on with her life. And even though the healing process is slow. And maybe she doesn't date for a while. Or maybe she dates um, infrequently because, you know, she wants a man, but she doesn't trust him because what if he's just like her ex-husband? But eventually she heals through that. Maybe she finds a good person and the relationship works well. Um, It might be very hard for both of them, the new man and her, because typically if the woman did not get over the ex-husband's betrayal and put it behind her. It'll affect the new relationship. And if he's a good man, it won't last. Good men do not like being accused of things they didn't do. Good men don't. In a marital relationship that's good, you don't have. You don't feel the need to check the cell phone of your husband or wife. Um, you don't feel the need to ask them all kinds of questions about who, where did you go? Who were you with? All that kind of stuff. You don't feel the need to check the receipts to see where they're spending money. And so all the things that a lot of people do in the relationship, my wife and I never did that with each other. I never went through her purse. Um, never checked your phone. I, I never did. And she never did those things to me because there was, it was unnecessary. And when you have a marital relationship, that's good. You don't complicate it by doing things like that. It's unnecessary and it's hurtful to a relationship because, in that marital relationship, the trust and confidence should be so high you never feel the need to check on your husband or check on your wife. You know, and it's damaging because if you start doing those things, it it chips away at the confidence and it chips away at at the love, because it puts things in question. And in order to completely love somebody, you have to trust them. You have to have confidence in them. You have to be willing to excuse insignificant things that they do that might drive you crazy, because everything else is is worth more. Many women never get over the betrayal of the first husband or a boyfriend for that matter, um, and the way, the way they protect themselves is to convince themselves that no man can be trusted. That's what they say to themselves. Men cannot be trusted. Well, if you were a good man and you start getting involved with a woman who, who's that way, who does not trust, you're not going to have a very good relationship with her, not very good at all. And when I said, not very good at all, not what it could be. So whether it's a friendship or a marriage, a good man being involved with a woman who has been betrayed, the relationship is never what it could be, no matter if it's friendship or marriage. It just can't because the components that are necessary for it to be good and functional are not there because of her feeling that all men are, you know, can't trust any man, you know. Just like it works the same way too. When men are hurt by women and men adopt the impression that all women are gold diggers and they can't be trusted and no means yes and yes means no. When you start going down that road as a man, you're not going to have a good relationship with a woman because if she is a good woman, it's not going to work because the components in that relationship are the same. You cannot have the quality relationship in the friendship or marriage that you could have had with those types of philosophies or beliefs. You just can't. Um, And it'll manifest itself um, by snide remarks, condescending remarks, um, distrust. So all the things that, in other words, all of the things that good people live by, honesty, compassion, integrity, all those types of noble. When they're not there from both people in the relationship, the relationship is never what it could have been. And most of the time what ends up happening is the good person gets tired of it and leaves. They get tired of always having to explain themselves, always having to prove themselves innocent. Um, I do. I get very tired. I don't. I freaking just say to hell with it and I walk away. Um, luckily, I haven't had to deal with that stuff very much. But I'm I'm one who will let the person know. You know, I'll just say to them, "What's what's the deal? What's going on?" Well, and I've had a woman say this. Well, on more than one occasion, but I've I've had them just say, "Well, you know, I don't know if I can trust you." And I'd say, "Okay." So, what are you really trying to say? And then they would say, Well, I just don't know whether or not I can trust you. And this is typically what I say to them. Then, why are you in, involved with me? Why are you my friend? Or, Why are we dating? Whatever the situation is. I, I do. I just come right out and ask them, Then, why are you involved with me? And they look shocked. And they'll say, Well, you seem like a nice person. And I'll say, really? I seem like a nice person? That's what he mean by seem, because I will not let you off the hook if we have this talk, because I already know what's going on. I want to hear you say it. And typically, they'll say, well, you know, you opened the door for me, or you're always encouraging me, or you say kind things to me. Um, you know, you've been a very good friend or whatever. Whatever they say, that's typically the things they say. Um, I'll say, okay, so if my actions demonstrate that I'm a good person and my words match up to my actions, then why are you not sure you can trust me? It's illogical. And my thing is, if you feel you can't trust me, then why um, why are you involved with me? Really, why? Because what it does is it, it kills my desire to be involved with you. That's what ends up happening. And I prefer to leave. I, I, you know, if that's the situation, it's not good for you. It's not good for me. And to me, friendships are nice. I talked about this with someone earlier today. And that is friendships are nice. Um, and I'm not going to talk about marriage because I'm not interested in marriage now. So my relationships with women are casual or on a friendly basis, Friends, you know, friendship relationship, that's it. But to me, friendships are, you know, okay, I'm gonna tell you, I told this other person, I said, they were talking about people meeting people and they and they were kind of chiding me, kind of, um, they were chewing me out, put it that way, because they said you know, that my, they said my, Behavior is offensive. They, they said, you know, George, you, really, you don't realize how offensive you really are. And I said, what do you mean, what do you mean offensive? I, I'm, I don't think I'm very offensive. Oh, oh yeah, you, you are. And I said, well, well, if I say stuff, I'm joking around most of the time. If I do feel I need to say something to you, I always try to give it to you without blasting you. And she said, yeah, but here's the thing. Um, you don't need anybody. It's, it's evident you don't feel like you need anybody. And I said, well, I don't. <laughs> you no, know, God. But I said, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I need any human being. And I said, well, what's wrong with that? And she said, well, it's arrogant, you know, for you to think that you don't need any. Everybody needs somebody. And this is what I said to her. I said, no, you really don't. You don't. But I will tell you this. I think it's better to want somebody than it is to need somebody. And that's my position. I think it's wonderful to want someone as a friend or be, you know, want a relationship with them that they're, you know, willing to be in in with you, whether it's a friendship or otherwise. I think it's nice to want um, to have friends. I think it's nice to want this person to be your friend. I think it's not good when you need the person. I think you should want the person. And if you need the person and you want the person, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as long as they're willing to, you know, accept those those terms. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think that when you just need somebody and you don't really want them, that's not a good thing. And that's what I was trying to tell her. I said, that's not a good thing when you just need somebody, but you don't particularly want them. I said, that's not a, that's not a good you know, chemistry. That's not good. Um, And I said, well, I will tell you this, friendships are very transitory. As I said, they're not really necessary for our existence, but they sure are nice. They they make this existence so much better, um, so much more pleasant. But in truth, they are not absolutely necessary for our survival. Now, I said the interaction with people and the conversation, The touch, you know, I said, some people require to be hugged or touched or kissed or whatever to make them feel, you know, whole. I said, I'm not that kind of a person. Matter of fact, I don't like to hug people except for like my daughter or when my sons come to visit or very close friends. I said, because I don't need the hugs to feel good about myself or to continue my life. But with certain people, yeah, it's nice. Um, I said, I don't kiss people now. I said, my daughter, I kiss her on her, like her shoulder or something, or her back of her hand is a sign of affection, but I do not kiss. I certainly don't kiss frickin' dudes. Let's get that out of the way, but I do not kiss women or even try because I don't want that type of relationship. So the thing I'm trying to explain to you is that if you have relationships, there's certain realities associated with those relationships you need to extend, And just like a bad marriage, bad friendships are the same way. In a bad marriage, the optimum thing to do when the marriage has failed and there's no chance of it ever being recovered is to separate. Go your separate ways, work it out, get the divorce and go on with your lives. You in whatever direction you're going and them in whatever direction they're going and pursue your life goals independently of one another. Friendships are the same way. If a friendship is failed, failed friendship, and the reconciliation, you know, you determine that it's not possible for you or for them or for both of you. That's the thing about friendships that differs from marriage. Friendships, it requires... Uh, both parties to really want to continue the friendship. Um, now, marriage it, it requires two parties too. The difference in, in marriage is because of the agreement you made in the marriage. Even if one is not trying as hard as the other, they should both be trying. Um, and it's 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 more than an obligation. It's it is. The, the covenant you take in marriage is a very serious covenant and you made promises to one another and friendships is different from this differs from the standpoint that in a friendship, if one wants to leave but the other doesn't want them to leave, guess what? They get to leave. Yeah. Um, it's different in that respect because in friendships you do not have the covenants and promises that were made in a marriage. It's a different type of relationship. So when one person decides this isn't working, they're within their rights to say, hey, forget about it. I'm done. Um, Whatever they say, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I had someone tell me that one time. I just said, well, the hell with you then. (laughs) I'm not going to force you to be my friend. Um, That's the difference is the dynamics are different. And a person, either person, um, has that right. Like I told my sons growing up, um, when they were, you know, like teenagers, I told them, well, they, they saw a movie where a guy just grabbed this woman and freaking started, you know, he grabbed her and started just kissing her against her will. And then she gave in and was, you know, like frantically kissing him back. We're watching a Western. And anyways, they saw it and they said, wow, that's, that's crazy. He freaking just took that woman. And freaking laid it on her and I said, Yeah, it's not right. He had no right to do that. And they said, Well dad, you know, after a few seconds she she seemed to like it and then wanted to kiss him even more, and I said, That's a movie. In real life, one, it's not acceptable for a man to force himself on a woman. And in real life, women don't respond like that. They're afraid, they're I said one, they're afraid and 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 they're anxious um, because they didn't give their consent. So what I was teaching them was you don't have the right to force yourself on a woman and expect her a few seconds later to like what you're doing. I said, when you don't have the right to do that, and it is, I said, it is not reality. And I said, now, granted, there there are some women that would, for whatever reason. I said, the vast majority of women women would feel violated if you did something like that. So I told them, I said, don't ever do something like that. And I explained to him, I said, you realize <clears throat> when your mother and I were dating, um, I did not kiss her first. She kissed me first. And they looked at me. And they were laughing. They were making fun of me, I said, wow, that's, that's sick. You couldn't even kiss mom? I said, no. I was waiting for the invitation from her to kiss her. I was waiting for her permission to do that because kissing her is not something I have a right to. Kissing her is when she signals me that it is okay for me to do that because we're separate. And I said, I have no right to expect her to kiss me. Or even, I said, like a lot of people date now and they think after the first or second date, they're supposed to have sex with you. I said, your mother and I both were people who didn't believe that. Uh, we believed that when you got married, then you just started having the sex. But I said, even kissing or, uh, like I said, I never grabbed your mother's rear end until we were married. It was inappropriate for me to do that. So what I was trying to teach my children, especially my boys, I taught my boys what not to do to women. And I taught my daughter what was not acceptable. As a woman, the conduct of men, what was not acceptable. Like I told us to Claire. It's not acceptable he has his hand on your rear end. I said, matter of fact, if I saw one of your boyfriends do it, I'd break him in half. I said, that's not acceptable. And don't let men do that. Don't let your boyfriends do that stuff. Um, or grabbing your breast or your crotch or, or saying lewd things to you. You know, you know, I'll turn you into a pretzel. Whatever they say, I said it's vulgar. And don't let them get away with it. You know, don't date people that treat you like that is what they're treating, and they're not treating you as a person. They tr- they're they treating you as an object, and you don't want to be associated with someone who treats you like an object. So my talk to the boys was what they were supposed to do with women, and with my daughter it was what men were not supposed to do because, you know, she's a woman. Well, anyway, I think I've said all I really need to say on this subject. I'll just re- reiterate this one part of it. Oh first, I'll do the marriage side of it if there's a if there's a situation with betrayal uh, by having an affair um, or violence abuse and stuff like that um, and the person the man has not changed inside if the, if the change is simply outward um, and you want to stay with him, I say good luck you know maybe it'll work out for you. Maybe, you know, in the future, he really will change on the inside and the relationship will be good. The chance you take if you stay. Maybe he gets better. Maybe he doesn't or worse. Maybe he goes back to being who he was before. Um, You really can't tell. Um, I've known some pretty good freaking actors, men who tearfully crying at their wife's feet. Please don't leave me. I love you so much. I made a big mistake. I'm an idiot, blah, 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 blah you know time goes on everything seems fine he's you know taking her little bringing her little treats and kissing her and you think everything's fine um and then he gets caught in the and this is a true story then he gets caught in the garage getting a freaking blowjob from the neighbor yeah it destroyed everything because for years he was such a good actor and she thought they really had changed and told me how he sees this, George, he's changed so much. And I was thinking, I don't see it. I, I, did, I wasn't convinced. I didn't have any evidence. It was just the feeling I got around him. The lewd looks that he gave other women. He would turn his head away like they were walking in the parking lot. He, he would go like to her car to open the door for her to let her in. But if you were nearby, close to him, which I was on a few occasions, You'd see him checking other women out and licking his lips or smiling like, yeah, I'd like to nail her. Then he'd open the door like the perfect husband, put her in, hand her a seatbelt and close the door. And as he's walking away from her, checking other women out, she never had a clue. So after a few years, when he got literally got caught, um she was wondering where he was and was looking for him in the house. <laughs> and she opened the garage door and there was the neighbor blowing him and. She said it was like time time stopped. It's it's, it's like you see in the movies where everything freezes, it stops. She said that's what it was like to me. Everything just stopped. And he was looking at me. The neighbor didn't know I was standing there. And he, he moved and he looked at me and then she turned and, you know, took her mouth off him and then looked at her and then she took off. She went out through the side door she's fully dressed i mean she just you know so she went out a side door and left him there with his wife and you know so you never know um you take a chance but if it's something if it's something like that a betrayal um and abuse and stuff like that um i don't ever see those things working out my experience is they never work out because His burden gets lifted, and he goes on with his life, even though he's the same person inside. He's a tremendously good actor. Her burden doesn't get lifted. The wounds are too deep, and she does not work with him to make it the best that it could be. She opposes him. She questions him. She suspects him. She does all kinds of things that just increase the burden on her. doesn't really affect him because he's living a double life. He's living the family life of an honorable, loving husband doing this, that, and the other thing. And then when he leaves to go to work and he's out in the company of his fellow workers or whatever his job is, he's who he was. He's basically who he is on the inside. He may, like I said, he may have improved, but he's basically the same person. You're not there to observe his behavior. Um, so he's, he's like getting, it's like a heroin addict gets a shot. He's hooked up. You know, he's got his fix. He's cool. Then when it wears off, in other words, he's got to do it again. So he comes home when he's got, you know, he took a shot and he comes home and he's just this wonderful person and stuff. Then as it wears off, it's cool because he's going to work and get another shot. And the woman who can't get over the betrayal, but stays in the marriage, increases her burden, by constantly questioning his behavior and his motives and everything. Um and it just makes her it makes her feel more pain and disappointment. While it doesn't seem to face him at all, other than getting mad occasionally and swearing or whatever. Um he doesn't he's not carrying the burden. She is. And the, my experience is it never works out. Yeah. Eventually they do uh get divorced. Sometimes he finds somebody who's preferable to his nagging wife, uh, maybe a little younger or whatever, or maybe she's a little, you know, wild and whatever, and they start having this friendship. And then it turns into a freaking affair like the last time. But um, then he decides he doesn't want his wife to hell with her. You know, so all she does is freaking accuse me. And then he'll say to himself, and the reason I had this another affair is because she was accusing me of it. So I thought, what the hell? She thinks I'm doing it anyway. I might as well do it. I've heard this before, too. You as a person, and in a friendship, it's a little different. In friendships, the betrayal is the, you know, where the person violates the conditions, what I would say, the the basic conditions of a friendship. Um, because in all friendships, there are three types of people in all friendships, and those are givers, takers, and giver-takers. Um, you know, the people, givers who just give, 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 and then takers who just take, take, take. And then giver takers, people who give, but who are willing to receive from their friend. And that's the best situation is when you have two giver takers, really care about each other as friends. They do things to help each other. They do things to build each other up. They don't take advantage of one another. And it's a very good friendship. And you know what it really comes down to? It comes down to you and me as a person. You cannot have these types of relationships where it is not congruent. Incongruity and in gruity and Yeah, gruenty in a relationship does not make for a good relationship. There has to be, when I say congruity, there has to be, especially in the most important areas, similarity. You can't be dissimilar. Um, like you can't have a, a person in a friendship who's, who's honest and caring and everything. And the other isn't, doesn't work well, but when both are honest and, and both care and all this stuff works very well. And the marriage is even deeper. There has to be the most important areas of that marriage. <clears throat> both have people have to be the same. Um doesn't matter if they, one likes the Camaro and one likes the Firebird, another one of them, one likes the beast and the other likes mountains. All those types of things are workable. But as far as morality, um, as far as the integrity and compassion and all, all those types of things, they have to either be very closely alike or they have to be willing to work together to bridge the divide. Or as they say, to brook the, the the gap or the difference. So, but if they don't, like if they, if one is very compassionate and the other is not very compassionate, and they don't work together to brook that difference, in other words, come together and agree what level of compassion is acceptable. If they don't do those things, which means working on the relationship, that relationship will die, yeah. and they'll end up becoming resentment and feeling cheated, and et cetera, and the love that was once there, and, and all those other um, emotions will die, and then it'll just be anger, frustration, uh those types of things that will replace, and, you know, enmity, <clears throat> um, you know, where, where there was once love, now there's resentment, and, you know, Maybe a person says, "I feel physically sick when I look at them." That's what replaces the love, hatred, or contempt, disdain. Um, Okay, well, that's it. I cannot give you any more because I've given you the whole freaking enchilada, and I've been on this thing for almost an hour, which is insane because now it's two sixteen in the morning. Got to get my beauty sleep. Think about this. Yeah. We only have one life to live on this earth. We certainly don't want to screw it up like a, yeah, we don't want to screw it up. All right, take care.